Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This may seem like a strange request, but I'm, I'm going to ask you really today to really listen to what we're about to share. I know that that is a given and there's never a time that I don't want you to listen but I really feel like God has just whispered something into my spirit. And uh, I spent all day yesterday and into the night just enjoying this journey. And I, I trust that it will speak something into many hearts. And I believe that today, that God wants to just speak something into, into our heart. You can just remain seated if you would like because I'm going to be reading several scriptures. And so... If you will join me in the book of Genesis chapter 9, chapter 6, excuse me. I'm going to read, read more verses than I normally do. I'm going to ask you a couple of times here in some of our reading to repeat something with me. I'm doing that on purpose. I want you to, I want you to grab that. I want you to hold it for just a little while because we're going to come back to that. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 6, of course, the sixth chapter of Genesis begins with the story of Noah. And so if you've had any exposure to church whatsoever, you learned about Noah in Sunday school or in vacation Bible school. Or so very, very early on, we learned the story of Noah. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we will be so reticent to revisit some of these familiar stories and especially some that we may even more or less have categorized as children's stories. We will fail, uh, we're reticent to revisit them because of their familiarity, but I believe that uh, we do ourselves a disservice in doing so because there's a lot of things there that we can uh, at least pull into our lives. And so if you will help me and be attentive Together, I believe the Lord will speak something to our lives. Genesis 6 and 9. The Bible says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14 is instructional. He says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms thou shalt make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. I want you to, if you will, just say with me, this is what God said. 
That's what God said. He, the Lord said, pitch it within and without. That's what the Lord said. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. The window, thou, the window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit thou shalt finish it above, and the door of the ark shall be set in the side thereof with the lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. And finally, verse 18, But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons, wives with thee. I want to preach today from this simple thought. I survived the storm. I survived the storm. This is followed, this particular passage of scripture is followed by specific instructions as to how the animals were to come to the ark as well as Noah and his family. And then Chapter 6 ends with what I believe is a very, very powerful verse. Chapter 6 says this, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. <laughs> that, that incredible job that we just, that incredible job description and responsibility that we just so quickly laid out before you in just a few words was really a massive undertaking. It was certainly not anything that Noah could do by himself. He was going to have to uh, enlist someone to help him bring forth and bring to life, so to speak, an ark of this magnitude. But the Bible says, thus did Noah. Noah just simply acted on the word of God. It's not like God said, now no, I would like you to be on this side of the street and cross over to the other side of the street. And thus did Noah. Well, that's not too difficult. And thus did Noah. We wouldn't be too difficult to do something like that. But when we read the magnitude of what God had requested and required of Noah and then read thus did Noah, with just three words, he set something into motion that I personally feel changed everything. Now we move to chapter 7 and the story continues and it's here that God explains to Noah that the rain is going to begin in seven days and it's going to last for 40 days and 40 nights. I think it's interesting that, interesting is probably a very uh, inappropriate word there, but uh, I think it's interesting that God divinely moved upon the unharnessed nature of every animal and they submitted to the will of God and did something completely out of character. I want to pause long enough to mention something right here. I, I, as unorthodox as this may truly be, something, I believe, gave birth to this spirit of obedience. I mean, God just moved upon these animals and these animals of all different natures, some of them very tender and 
tame and, and th- that's just the nature of perhaps a sheep. They, they would be very gentle and probably easily led and yet uh, there were also lions involved in this. There were personalities and characteristics that were not so easily harnessed yet when the Spirit of God for the very first time began to move upon these animals, they, they, they began to obey. And, and when I was reading this yesterday, I just thought something gave birth to that spirit of obedience. And I'm just going to submit this for your consideration and move, move along. But I believe when we read these three words, thus did Noah, I believe something was released in the spirit world. Amen. I, I believe when God's man stepped up to his called position and obeyed the word of God, it released a spirit of obedience. Was it out of the ordinary for animals of every kind to start lining up two by two and then marching themselves into and onto a three-story boat? Why, absolutely. If you've ever tried to load animals of any sort, you know what a task that can be. I've been around and I've seen cattle loaded and that's not always a simple thing to do. I've seen horses that were not trained attempted to be loaded and that was not a simple thing to do. I've been around and uh, and uh, assi- even assisted in loading some donkeys before and I can tell you that wasn't an easy thing to do. And loading hogs is not an easy thing to do because it's out of character for them to leave their natural world and then go into into some container of sorts. But it was... As unusual as that was, I I know that we're all on the same page with that, but I would submit to you that that was no more unusual than a man that just started building a boat out of the clear blue. There had never been anything of this nature. And so when, when God said, Noah, here's what's going to happen and this is what I need you to do, and then we read, thus did Noah, something is just released in the spirit world. Amen. And now uh, he began to build and that spirit of obedience touched the heart and the lives of his family. Certain, certainly a boat of this magnitude was out of question, yet the animals submitted themselves to the will of God and they did something that was really adverse to their nature. Now follow me back to the passage for just one more moment. Genesis 7 and 15, the Bible says in 7, 15 and 16, and they went in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life then verse number 16 the Bible says and they went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in now would you say with me this is what God did Amen. We, we, we know what God said a moment ago But now we read about what God did in this moment. God shut them in. I want you to remember that for for just a few moments because I'm coming back to that. We truly know, I believe, and I think we would agree that we serve a faithful God. (laughs) Amen. I'm sure the longer you've been on this journey, the more convinced you are that we are serving a faithful God. This is not a God of sometimes. This is not a God of maybes. And this is not a God of hope so's. But this is a God that has been faithful. I can honestly say with a pure conscience that God has been faithful to me. Have there been seasons and have there been storms of my life that caused me to ask questions? Sure there have. But here's one thing that I draw from. 
Even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of those cloudy days when you can't see the sun, even though you know in your heart that it's still shining, the one thing that I draw from is God's faithfulness in the past. Amen. His faithfulness in the past gives me hope and confidence in his faithfulness for my future. How do I know God will be there for me tomorrow? Because he has led me all the way up to the very moment that I am standing here. And so it's not some crystal ball. It is not some palm reading. It is not some tarot cards that I'm trusting in that sails me clearly into my tomorrow. But I have confidence in my yesterdays. I can wake up with a calm assurance that God can and he will see me through. He will lead me and guide me even when I cannot see exactly where he's leading me. I have the assurance of his faithfulness and I have that all from my yesterdays. I don't think it should be lost to us that David said when asked, what makes you think you can do this? He said, well, there was a lion and there was a bear. We can mock that all we want to, but what David was saying, I'm banking on my yesterdays. When If God was there then and if he was there for that, then he will be here now and he will be here for this. And so to that end, I can step out in faith and trust because I know that God is faithful. There are countless truths I think that we can all glean from the story of Noah, that's for sure. But one of the many things that stands out to me is the fact that we can see the hand of God upon Noah's life. Not only in the midst of the storm, certainly our minds kind of go, when we think about Noah, we think about the storm and we think about the midst of the storm and we see how that God prepared him up to and then through that. But I also want you to understand that when we look at the life of Noah, we not only see God's hand upon him in the midst of the storm, but we see God's hand upon him in the aftermath of the storm. And here's where I'm going today. Amen. This is something we should never forget, that every storm has its aftermath. In 2004, Florida was hit with four hurricanes in a six-week period. Millions, millions of people's lives were affected and many of them were forever changed during that six-week period of time. Among those millions, you've heard me refer to it before, were my mother and father-in-law. They literally lost everything they owned. A tornado that was born from the very first hurricane, took a good portion of the roof off of their home. And then the ensuing rains of the storms that just kept coming continued as it robbed them of the rest of their possessions. My wife and I went to see them as quickly as we could, of course, after the first storm. And, and, uh, and then it was really and truly at this moment that I began to understand the storm's aftermath. I drove into, or we drove into a neighborhood that we were just intimately familiar with. Uh, her mom and dad have lived there for the most most of our married life and her mom and stepfather had lived there most of our married life and we turned into a neighborhood or at least into a road, onto a road that we were very familiar with but that was the only thing that we recognized. There were homes, mobile homes that were turned upside down. There were some of them even in the road driving around all sorts of debris it was so odd and so eerily strange because, you see, this was the day after the storm. And the day after the storm, the sun was shining and birds were singing. And it, and, and it was as though nature had just gone back to business as usual. 
And yet everywhere you looked, there was carnage and destruction everywhere you turned. Storms will have their aftermath. But we serve a faithful God. <laughs> a God is not afraid to stay with me even after the storm. He's not afraid of the winds and the sea. He walked to the disciples even in the midst of the storm. But I'm glad we're not, I'm glad that we're serving a God that's not afraid to stay with me even after the storm. Amen. When you think about it, Noah and his family did nothing to deserve this storm. He did nothing wrong. It was Noah that the Bible says found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Yet, he is called on to devote decades of his life to the building of a vessel that was destined to save him and his family. Up until now, they were apparently living a rather normal life. However, in the aftermath of this law, in the aftermath of this storm, in the aftermath of this storm, Noah and his family had to learn how to grieve the loss of the ideal. And I don't ever want you to forget, it should never be lost that Noah lost his home in the storm as well. I know we talk about Noah's salvation and, and he was the eighth man in his family and there is a great, great story of redemption but we also have to recognize that, that Noah lost something in this storm as well. He lost something very familiar to him. Perhaps Noah's wife, when she realized that that this is really happening and the ark is complete and now the Lord says seven days before it even begins to rain. I want everybody to start getting on this boat. Perhaps Noah's wife, when she realized that this is really taking place, maybe she walked past the wall where she measured the growth of Shem and Ham and Japheth. Maybe she looked out at the tree swing that blew so ever gently in the wind realizing that my whole life has been staked here. My children were born here. Maybe as she looked out at certain areas of their yard where her sons played, maybe she even heard their youthful laughter as it filled the recesses of her mind. Don't ever forget that Noah and his entire family had something invested in this loss. When God called Noah to build the ark and then place his family and the animals on the ark, God was preparing Noah for the loss of the ideal. I say that because we have to understand that the world, as it had been created in its origin, would never be the same again. God's original design for creation. God's original manifest, God's original creation would never, ever be the same again. There would be a forever scar, a forever scar because of the sin of mankind. When the storm was over and when the waters had abated, Noah and his entire family found themselves in a new place. While we may never know exactly how far this journey took them, there is one thing I think we can all agree on that where Noah and his wife ended up was not at all where they started. And so when that door opened, it was a life of new beginnings for them. And, and when that door opened, they didn't look out there to see how their home had weathered the storm. And there was not that same tree and not the same swing. And there was nothing there. They were in a completely different place in their lives. And I will tell you this, that, that when Noah and his wife stepped out of that ark, they stepped into a new normal. 
And I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to press something into someone's spirit right here. Maybe you have encountered a storm and maybe you're even dealing now with the aftermath of that storm and maybe you're not even finding yourself today at all where you started out when the rains first started pelting down. I realize that when we start talking about things like a new normal, that can be somewhat frightening because the bottom line to it all is is that really and truly we all resist change. And so if that's you today, I want you to be reminded of something. The new normal, the new normal was something that God was still actively a part of. (laughs) This wasn't God reluctantly going along with the plan. This was the new normal. Is Peyton here today? Peyton's here today. Okay, I don't want you to be offended by my illustration, but we've often kind of teased around about Peyton. He's been part of our our family here and our church family for many, many years. And, and so I'm not sure if he even still does this, but when he was a, a much smaller child, when you, when you ever told Peyton something that he didn't want to hear, he, just, he, just, he could drop his shoulders the furthest of any human I've ever seen in my life. His shoulder blades would almost scrape the dirt. You just... He would just wilt like a flower in the, in the sun. And so when I say that, when, when, I tell, when I tell you, thank you, Peyton, for allowing me to use you there like you had a vote in it, huh? But when I tell you that, that God was, a, was very much a part of the new normal, please hear me, this was not God drooping his shoulders and saying, well, I'll have to just follow you here and I'll have to go along with this. Now, God was an active part of this new normal and I just feel in the Holy Ghost today to tell you that God is actively involved in your new normal. He is not asleep. He is not asleep at the wheel. He's not reluctantly following you into some new normal that has been born in your life because of a storm's aftermath. The storm, amen, brought something to our lives and it gave birth perhaps to a new normal, but God is still very much a part of that. He is still in control of every step. I had you repeat a couple of things with me while I was reading my text and there I want to go back to that. Two fascinating things I think about the story of Noah that should not ever be lost to us. Whatever they faced from the outside, whatever they faced from the outside had been sealed by two things. And those two things first was God's word because God said, pitch it within and pitch it without. And so it was God's word that was the first thing that protected them from what was going on in the storm. The second thing that protected them was God's work. It was not just what he said, but it was what he did when it was all said and done. When they were in the ark, when everything had been loaded, when the final animal had walked on, when Noah, the eighth man, the Bible says, was on that ship, the Bible says, and the Lord shut him in. It was God's work, amen. And so I will tell you today that in the face of our storms, in the face of our storms, if we will hold on to the word of God and if we'll hold on to the work of God, those two things go hand in hand. The Bible says God shut them in. And sometimes those things uh, coincide. Sometimes those things coexist. 
the word of God and the work of God. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes the work of God is, is not altogether present. We can't always see the hand of God at work in our lives. And so how do we survive the storm when we can't see the work of God? When we can't see the work of God, we just hold on to the word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he had the word before he had the work. Yes, he did. He had the word before he had the work. And so we're going to hold on to the word of God, even though God had shut them in. However, in due time, when it was safe, it was God that opened that same door. And this all had to happen, of course, in God's time. At first, God told them to get on the, the boat and get in the boat. And now God was telling them that it was time to get out of the boat. And one thing that we should take away from this, I think when God shuts a door, we should never try to open that on our own. <clears throat> now to every mature Christian that's in this building today, I think you would at least have to nod in agreement that there have been times we have at least been tempted to try to open a door that we know in our heart God shut. Not because of our rebellion, it's not because of our indifference, it's not the spirit of insurrection, but there's just something about our humanness to try to get involved in the work of God. But I can tell you that it would not have been in Noah's best interest to open the door that God had closed. Because you see, that door, <laughs> that door was protecting not just him, but that door was protecting his entire family. And if I may be as bold to say that that door shut, that shut door was protecting even the seed of Noah. And so if he had kicked open the door to try to do something on his own, he wouldn't have just been affecting his own life. He wouldn't just been taking the life of his three sons and daughter-in-laws and, and he wouldn't just be taking the life of his own wife, but he would have been robbing generations from the seed to come. And so I'm gonna tell you that when God closes a door, we've gotta be satisfied even if we can't tell direction that we're sailing if I can't even see the stars or the sun if I can get nothing to get any coordinates in my life I've got to trust I've got to hope I've got to put everything in God amen he could have never weathered this storm had it not been for this closed door when God closes a door we have to trust him enough to leave it closed until he says okay I realize sometimes there's a lot of waiting involved and no one likes to wait. I can remember the very first microwave oven that I ever saw as a young man. I was fascinated that in just a few minutes you could cook a hamburger, frozen hamburger patty out of a Tupperware. Some of you may remember that. I'm really dating myself here. I realize that. But it was a radar range and you could put that frozen hamburger in there and you could turn it on just a couple of minutes and wow, that was just incredible. But you know, the faster things begin to move, the more spoiled we are and now we don't want to wait on anything. We walk in a restaurant, if there's more, than, more people there than we think we've got the patience to wait in line for, we just turn around and go do something else, right? Because we're not into the waiting game. We don't want to wait, but you see, the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord. You see in the... In the, in the makeup of the kingdom, there's a lot of waiting that goes on. We, we don't, we, one of the many things we dread about going to see the doctor is not just so much the medicine or not just so much the procedure, it's, it's really the waiting. It's that, and they have the nerve to even call it a waiting room. They have the nerve to even warn you up front, this is what you're going to be doing if you come here. And we're going to charge you to do it. 
And so this waiting, this waiting, there's a lot of waiting involved in the kingdom of God, but the best thing to do is just wait out the storm and wait out the storm's aftermath. The actual flood lasted, of course, 40 days, but we must never forget that they were in the ark a lot longer than just 40 days. Some say that it was around 12 months or a little bit longer. And so when you think about that, that's a long time after the rain has stopped. The windows open. You watch a lot of birds fly by in a year. 370 so days, as some would record, you, you see a lot of things happen on the outside and yet there's still waiting to be done. Noah sent out the raven and then waited. He sent out the dove which found no rest for her foot the first time and returned to Noah. And so he kept her seven more days and sent out the dove again, which returned with an olive branch again to him. Think about that spirit of obedience. It would not be in the nature of a bird just to fly back to a human, but it flew right back into the hand of, of Noah, and then he kept it seven more days. A lot of waiting, a lot of waiting. After the storm, seasons of waiting. In closing, as our musicians come, I will, I will conclude with these comments. There's one more verse that we need to mention before we leave this story. And that verse is found at the very end of the storm, but it is certainly not the end of the storm's aftermath. It was during this season of waiting at the very beginning of Genesis 8 and 1, and the Bible says, and God remembered Noah. <laughs> The rain had stopped, but the door was still closed. The boat had stopped rocking, but the door was still shut. A lot of uncertainty, unrest, but the Bible says God at this juncture, maybe this is where you are today, God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him and so if I could underline that again, God remembered Noah and every living thing that was with him. And I will say one more time that when God and the animals denied their nature and obeyed the Lord, it caused the Lord to remember them later. Noah may have been lost to himself, but he was never lost to God in any fashion. The first thing that Noah did when he got out of the ark, of course, was to build an altar. And there were instructions given even in the loading of the altar of the unclean beast that would be there to have animals to sacrifice for that. So the first thing that Noah did was build an altar. He built an altar to thank the Lord for his provision during the storm. Because you see, he never stopped being God just because the rains came. However, after the storm, we must never forget to praise God. As a matter of fact, as Paul even suggests and perhaps even other writers allude to, that we ought to be thankful for the storm. And that seems so adverse to our way of thinking. But the reason for that is because storms, please hear me, storms have the ability to bring us to a new place. This storm brought them to a new place. You may not even be here this morning. 
had it not been for yesterday's storm. Amen. I can say that physically, geographically, at this longitude, this latitude, but you may not be here where you are spiritually had it not been for yesterday's storm. That's why Paul admonishes us to rejoice in our sufferings. Well, we, we read through that very fast, don't we? That sounds so bizarre, but Paul doesn't leave us hanging about that. He, he goes on to explain that, that suffering produces something in us. It produces perseverance, and, and that perseverance, it begins to sharpen our character, and it makes us the men and the women who we are today. And so that character then is born in us. In us, that character gives birth to hope. And that's why, that's why. You may find some new converts that get a little bit jittery when the storms start blowing. And I say this very respectfully and with great deference to every senior that's in this building. But I'm going to tell you, when old Zion starts rocking, and she may even take on some water every now and then, they still keep driving up on Wednesday night. They still keep driving up on Sunday morning. You know why? Because perseverance... Perseverance gave birth to their li- in, into their lives some character. And in all of that, some hope was born and they realized that the church may take on some water, but it's not going down. It's going to keep sailing on because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We know that more assuredly when we have certainly walked with the Lord a few decades because we've just watched him work time and time and time and time again. And then watch what happens. God makes a covenant with Noah. That covenant was a rainbow that was a promise that he would never flood the earth again. And so I'm, I have no idea the very first time my parents showed me the rainbow, but as far back as I can remember, rainbows have always been something that grabs our attention. And it reminds us that's a promise. That's a promise. That's a covenant. That's a covenant. And God established that covenant with every living thing. He said, I make this promise. I'm not trying to sound ridiculous here, but he, he made this promise to the goats. He made this promise to the sheep. He made this promise to the lions and to the bears, to every living thing. This will never happen again. But one final point that I want to make is this. The same elements that God used to cause the storm were the same elements that God used to make the covenant. Amen. (laughs) The Lord said, rain. And it rained. And God moved on the elements and said, I need a covenant now. And with the same elements, he made a covenant. And so the storm that you're in today, don't curse it. Don't shake your fist at it. Because God may use the very storm or elements of the storm that you're in and make you a covenant and stretch it across your heart. And you'll always be able to look and say, this is where God brought me through. (laughs) Let's stand. Wow, I feel the Lord. If you'll you'll just indulge me just 
just one more moment. It's, you, that's fine. A few months ago, a very dear friend of mine who was a singer and songwriter produced a new CD and and when I saw it advertised, I contacted him and purchased it. And, and as I began to listen to every song there, of course, many because we've been friends for decades, I recognized several of his songs. But then it was a live recording. He began to share a story. And Sister Boyd and I actually remember when his youngest daughter, Brooke, was born. She was born with some pretty severe health complications, very, very severe health complications. And so they were in the studio and they were recording his, uh, recording one day, not this particular album, but they were recording one day and, and a friend of his said, he said, I, I have written a song, but I just had the first verse in the chorus and he said, I just can't get the second verse for the life of me. And so, my my good friend, if they think I'm name dropping, I probably am. <laughs> my good friend, Brother Mike Wilson, he said, uh, well, I'll tell you what. He said, you just sing the first verse in the chorus and let me hear it. And so as he began to sing, he said, when you get to the second verse, he said, you just keep playing and I'll start writing. And he is really that gifted. And that is where the title of my message comes from today. I survived the storm. Because he began to talk about how as this man began to sing this song, he began to think about all that he and his wife have been through. Some 23, I think, or so surgeries, major surgeries his daughter has been through in her young life. And so it was these words, I was sailing in my vessel on the sea of life. Never thought there was a question. I would reach the other side. Then from out of nowhere, I was in a blinding rain. My ship was going under until I called on Jesus' name. I survived the storm, he says. I knew, I know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord. He held me in his arms while I survived the storm. The second verse says this, no matter what, storms may be sickness, pain or sorrow we must never forget this promise of tomorrow the sun is going to shine again the clouds will have to flee because I called upon his name while down on bended knees I'm going to tell you today that you're going to survive your storm and you're going to survive your storms aftermath and God can take the storm and give you a covenant I think we ought to love him right now amen Jesus I love you today and I praise you you're so kind to us you're so kind to us God you, you take storms and you only take us to a new place in that God you take storms of our life where we thought Certainly there was going to be death and destruction. We'll never survive this only to realize that when you open the door we find ourselves in a brand new place but you're still actively involved in that brand new place.
You take us to a, a dimension. You take us to a level that we never dreamed possible. Oh, how I love you today, Jesus. I'm so thankful that I know the power and the strength of your word that can hold us. I know the anchoring ability, God, not only of your word, but also of your work. I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. Let's entertain him. Can we do that? Please don't pre-dismiss yourself. Let's magnify the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. I give myself away. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.